2: Hello and welcome to this following on Cricket World Cup special podcast from TalkSport... Three weeks into the tournament and the table very definitely starting to take shape with the pre-series favourites India, England and Australia looking dominant and beaten finalists four years ago New Zealand in pole position to make it to -to back-to-back semi-finals. England have been hit by injury concerns though surrounding their captain and star opener.
1: Yeah, I I certainly believe Jason will play again in this tournament. Um, At the moment he's going to be assessed continuously um, over the course of the next week, uh, he's
2: he's out of the next two games. Um, so we'll see how he, he pulls up after that. We will hear from Owen Morgan shortly and also an opportunity to play out a quite brilliant interview that went out on TalkSport. Ashley's winner, Steve Harmison, sitting down with former England batsman Robin Smith. You're listening to Following On. Well, Welcome to today's show, following a uh, busy weekend of cricket, thankfully the brains abated and uh, India really showing us uh, all what they are capable of. Pakistan swatted aside, uh, India absolutely dominant uh, in that clash and now many people's favourites to go on and win the World Cup plenty of cricket though before uh, that occurs we've still got nearly a month of action to go and England uh, themselves are fancy uh, a chance to take the crown and they play Afghanistan on Tuesday uh, weather permitting of course Owen Morgan and Jason Roy two players uh, who pulled up in that game uh, on uh, Friday it was when they uh, they beat the West Indies and uh, Owen Morgan has been speaking ahead of the Afghanistan clash and speaking about his own injury concerns and that of Jason Roy who he is confident will feature again in this World Cup
1: uh, drastically improved um, I've had extensive treatment and medication the last two days which have uh, has helped me no end um, I've had a small hit in the nets and hopefully be fit to play in the morning um, it will all depend on how I pull up but aiming to play tomorrow
3: can you also give us an update on Jason Roy? We've obviously been given the news that he's torn a hamstring. Do you know how serious that tear is and are we likely to see him play again in this tournament?
1: Yeah, I, t- I certainly believe Jason will play again in this tournament. Um, at the moment, he's going to be assessed continuously um, over the course of the next week. Uh, he's, he's out of the next two games. Um, so we'll see how he, he pulls up after that.
2: Well, when you consider Jason Roy was man of the series against Pakistan and uh, has already uh, made quite an impression on the World Cup so far, it will be a huge blow indeed if England to lose his services. So hopefully, after missing the next two games against Afghanistan and Sri Lanka, uh, he can make it back. Lords uh, against Australia, actually, next Tuesday. So uh, we shall see. Uh, Owen Morgan uh, also speaking about England's tag as favourites and uh, where he thinks uh, the main danger is going to lie. Uh, when it comes to preventing England from winning their first ever World Cup? Um,
1: I think New Zealand are sliding under the radar. Uh, They're extremely strong at the moment, uh, along with India. Uh, Both have put in performances, no doubt over the next week or so. We we did see Bhubaneshwar Kumar go down in in that last game. Um, No doubt over the next week there will be more injuries and surprises throughout the tournament. So it'll be how teams respond to to that and, and, and the strength that they have within their squad of 15 players.
3: Owen, um, given the fact that you are Red Hot favourites tomorrow, do you have to be a bit careful on the mental preparation for this match against Afghanistan, not to be a little bit too confident?
1: Um, I'd like to think in a couple of games so far we've been red-hot favourites um, and it, uh, underlining our preparation is uh, the humility and gratitude in which we go about things and I think that's an important part of trying to beat theme- teams like Afghanistan. Uh, we went through the same process in the, in the warm-up game, um, they are a strong side, As I said previous to the tournament they will beat teams in this World Cup, they haven't managed to do that yet so that makes tomorrow you know, a, t- a tougher challenge
2: not willing to get drawn on that uh, Owen Morgan he wants to concentrate on Afghanistan and he says that Afghanistan's spinners are going to be very dangerous at that old Trafford track on Tuesday
1: yeah I think they're three spinners Uh, it's it's probably their strongest component as a team it's a challenge that we're going to have to overcome Um, pretty much every time we play against an Asian team that's that's the case you look over where they're practicing they're practicing against quicks and look over their nets we're practicing against spin That's just a challenge that both sides come up against.
2: Well, you will be able to hear more from Owen Morgan, hopefully, if he plays after the game against Afghanistan. Reports on TalkSport and TalkSport 2. Steve Harmison's um, uh, post-World Cup phone-in as well on TalkSport 2, 6 till 7. So that's all on Tuesday. For now, though, an opportunity to listen back to uh, an interview that took place between Steve Harmison and Robin Smith, the judge, uh, the former England batsman and uh, possessor of one of the fiercest and best square cuts in the existence of the game. Recently fallen on real difficult times living in Australia and hopefully the release of his biography um, signals a line in the sand, a chance for Smith himself to come back and hopefully start looking to the future more positively than the recent past has been for uh, the former England man. Let's listen though, Steve Armisen in conversation with Robin Smith.
1: Oh, it's a good bounce Short ball. All of a sudden, these West Indians are starting to turn it on. And again, it whizzes past his nose. What an over! This is pace like fire. That was a shot. again by Smith Morrison, striking right outside
2: the off stump. To Robert Smith cracks him to the fence. All hooked away. That's a solid looking shot from Smith. Six runs. Well he really got hold of this one and cracked it away. Forward a square. Very
3: powerfully hit. Robin, i um, looking at the, the book and everything that, that's come with, with writing a book. How did you feel when you put this book together?
0: When I was in, initially approached about writing the book, I was, uh, I was very uh, you know, concerned about bearing my soul, my inner thoughts to uh, the pub- publicing, uh, public world. So um, I did take some time to uh, decide whether or not it was going to be the right thing for me to do um, i had been approached through my cricketing playing days uh, um you know 34 35 about writing a book and i just felt um, at the time even uh, the you know uh, jack banister was one of the uh, the journalists who had approached me um, i just felt that an autobiography for me is a story about your life and i just felt that at 35 I'd really hardly started my life, and uh, I'm I'm really glad that, um, you know, that at uh, 53 or 52, I was approached to write this book because there has been so much that has happened in my life um, since the uh, the bubble burst, and you know what I mean by that when uh, you you know your days of uh, cricket come to an end, um, and uh, I'm just really thoroughly glad that I've uh, managed to um, you know be encouraged to write the book. Um, certainly, my partner. Uh, Karen has, um, you know, for about three or four months when I was pondering whether or not it was the right decision, she certainly encouraged me to write it and felt as well that it would be also very cathetic for me to, um, you know, think seriously and deeply about uh, bearing my soul to the world. So, look, I look back at uh, the book and, uh, you know, it's uh, it's quite humbling. Um, A lot of people are going to be uh, reading the book, um, The Good and the Bad, uh, that I've done. And, uh, you know, I, I have read it. Uh, I've thought uh, it's taken me just over three years to, to make sure that it's a, an honest appraisal of my life. It's a very raw and uh, an honest book. And, and as you say, it's, uh, um, yeah, quite therapeutic when, uh, you know, you've just got everything off your chest. It's been honest. And, uh, again, I'm just thrilled that I was given this opportunity to write the book. And uh, having read it, you know, I'm comfortable with, uh, with what's in it
3: the bubble burst when you mentioned that I felt coming out of the game I I don't know about you but the the mental health issues and anxiety I had coming out of the game and finishing the game I described it it was like coming out of the supermarket with heavy bags of shopping I had 18 years being told what to do where to go what to eat what to what to wear and what time to be there then all of a sudden the bubble burst like you mentioned them heavy bags of shopping not knowing where your car is And they're getting heavier and heavier when you've got a family and you've got a mortgage and you've got things to go and you mentioned you do speak openly and honestly about that bubble bursting and the the consequences of what what it was like to be a professional cricketer at that time, when you finished in the game and the financial reward that were going that that you had, and not there anymore. You know, the, you yeah. mentioned the bubble burst and the anxieties yeah. that come yeah. from that, and you were honest and open about it. You know, just go through what what you mentioned, what you meant by that.
0: Well, I I just feel that uh, I wasn't uh, properly prepared for uh, for um, life after cricket. Um, uh, I I did try at times to. Uh, um, you know, to think about my uh, career outside the game, um, but was always knocked back by you know the two managers uh, of England at the time where they believed that I had uh, fingers and too many pies and uh, and and certainly, if I uh, had my time again, I would certainly have uh, have looked to have uh, prepared better for um you know for for life after cricket uh, you know after all they say that uh, life starts at 40 or, or the new 50 now i've turned 50 but uh, you know it's just um and and i know the players cricket association now are you know f- with their partners do an absolutely fantastic job did you
3: find a difference when you finished because i found a massive difference when i finished compared to maybe 10 years earlier and some of the i lost some good friends um, of people that I played with um, through the mental health issue, which I didn't think the help was there until probably in the sort of latter part of the 2000s. Was it there when you finished?
0: Well, cert- no, it certainly wasn't, and mm. uh, and you know, it's, it's something that uh, we didn't, uh, we weren't encouraged to speak about. Um, you know, as cricketers, we all, um, you know, try and be this uh, macho figure, this uh, you know, this this uh, the, the strong, the strength, mentally tough. Um, and uh, you know, it was uh, you know, it was something that we never really spoke about. Um, and I'm just absolutely thrilled that uh, it's become uh, more of a commonplace that we people, um, you know, uh, men and women, um, are more encouraged to talk about their experiences and their problems. Uh, and and it's and it's certainly uh, more welcomed now where uh, where people are are being encouraged to talk about. Um, you know, their problems. Now, you know, going going back to, um, you know, when, when we played for, uh, f- you know, when I played for England and, and maybe the uh, early 90s where I'd suggested that it would have been a, a fantastic idea maybe to have had a, you know, a sports... Uh, um, psychologist uh you know within our ranks to uh you know to try and you know help bring out the best in our performances a, a, a wonderful uh the ring uh, Reverend Wingfield Digby who was uh, uh, who came on two or three of the tours I don't know if uh, he was any on on, on your tours uh homie, but uh, he was just a, a wonderful man and a, and a great a great bloke to uh, to speak to but I'd spoken to one of the managers about getting a, a sports psychologist uh, um, into uh into our dress room and he said uh you know he said if we need uh, if anybody in this side needs a psychiatrist then we shouldn't be playing for england in the first place now you know it was quite sad at the time that you know they, they didn't know the difference between a, a psychologist and a psychiatrist but but look i i, I just think that um you know that it, it, it's um a lot more open now people uh um, you know are, are more comfortable talking about their uh, problems and 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 just in the book if um you know if I can you know one paragraph maybe help somebody um you know not fall down that deep hole that that black hole where I just i had no idea how I was going to get out of this hole um and I just believe that I should have um sought a little bit of you know a lot more help a lot earlier on, but I had a lot of pride. Um, you know, I was, uh, you know, sometimes when homie like yourself, you know, six foot six, you know, big powerful bloke, uh, and you start complaining about, you know, mental health. I mean, people, you know, what are people going to think of you? But these days, I mean, it's very much more accepted and I think it's fantastic.
3: It is accepted, but the characters you played with as well, you know, the, the big characters in your dressing room, the strong men, strong characters, it wasn't spoken about, was it? It wasn't, it wasn't to the forefront, like you say, you had small-minded people in management you know, old school Thai brigade, whatever the way you want to see it, who, who didn't see it as an illness and not as a, they see it as a as weakness a, and not yeah. as an illness. And that is the most important thing. And I'm pleased the game has changed and I'm pleased the people who played in, in your area speak, speaking about it because it is, it is a, a something which is very, very serious in not in not in sport, but in society.
0: It, it is. And, and there's uh, there's various uh, various types of, uh, you know, depression, um, you know, not for one moment um, uh, that uh, that my situational depression um, uh, could compare in any way to, uh, you know, having read Foxy's book, uh, Graham Fowler um, or Marcus Trescothic where uh, that was more of a clinical Uh, depression where uh, you know it was more of a chemical imbalance You know, and that's where you know you do need psychiatric uh, treatment. Whereas, whereas mine, um, you know, can still be as uh, traumatic, um, but it doesn't last for as long. It can do, but it doesn't last for as long. And um, you know, you you just got to seek help. I mean, when you start falling into that trap, you know, about um, you know not being wanting to get out of bed in the morning, or um, you you know losing that ability to converse with people, um, you know, not wanting to talk. You know, it's just a, a, a terrible um you, you know snowballing effect where it just so debilitating and and just affects you incredibly and uh, and as i said with uh, the you know, the pca and, and their partners uh, i think are doing an absolutely terrific job in and and uh, helping people overcome these problems and um and i do say to anyone out there not just in sport but in any walk of life um there are people that are willing to help um there are people that are prepared to listen and there are lots and lots of people there who, will, um, you know, who'll give you the love and the comfort and uh, the advice that uh, that you seek for. Um, but don't be too proud. Go out there and, and talk uh, talk about your problems.
3: Yeah, yeah, definitely. And <clears throat> going and talking about you know, Mark Nicholas, who I spent time and learned a lot in my new role as a as a broadcaster. Um, and he, he calls you the greatest cricketer ever to play for Hampshire. That's better than Shane Warne, Barry Richards, Gordon Greenwich, Malcolm Marshall, no. my old mate Kevin Peterson, to say you know, the least. And what Mark's quoted in saying in you know, the, the foreword is, uh, this man with whom I would choose to go in the trenches, yeah. You know, but dare not to lose the battle for the pain would be so
0: great. Depending on how big of the chequebook is, will depend on uh, how many lovely things Mark has to talk <laughs> has to say to me. But look, um, when Mark wrote about uh, um, about being Hampshire's greatest batsman, look, it, it, in my opinion, it, you know, he would without doubt be uh, be talking about performances for Hampshire. Mm. I mean, there is absolutely no way that I mean I could be Hampshire's best you know best player. I mean, there, there are many many better players who have played for Hampshire than me. I think what Mark was was probably um, suggesting that from a point of view of of winning big games Mm. for Hampshire um, you know I did probably looking back I might have won more big games for Hampshire that got us into quarterfinals or semifinals or finals or winning finals at Lord's than maybe Barry Richards or or Gordon Greenwich but you know it's far too you know it's far too far-fetched for anyone to assume that I would be Hampshire's best cricketer probably one of the best players you know having won games for Hampshire or man of the matches but certainly there have been a lot of um, other great players at Hampshire who you know I couldn't fill their boots.
3: But even even that itself, and you know the, you see, when you see Hampshire now, I remember playing at Southampton, uh, the first, uh, the old ground. And then when you see what, not just Rob Brams go, but he's had a, a a huge thing to do with 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 Hampshire going forward. And you mentioned Warren Barry Richards, Gordon Greenwich, Malcolm Marshall, Kevin Peterson. The, the majority of the players that you played with you must have an immense pride you know when you when you wrote this book talking about your career and people that you played with um and another another friend of both of ours who i think the world of and he's having a, a tough time and we all wish him well and sean Udal, great characters great players but the immense pride in robin smith representing that county must be huge
0: oh def- definitely and uh you know i've um i'd like to think that uh um you know I'm a law, law person and, and uh you know Hampshire gave me this great opportunity um at 17 to uh, to join the club and, and you know there had been uh, other offers from to join other counties but uh, um I was always going to you know continue playing at Hampshire for uh, for as long as I could um and look I made i uh, I've written about it in the book that uh, I was disappointed at the time to uh, um, you know, to really being asked to uh, to retire, and uh, um, and at the time I, I I wasn't that happy. And maybe um, I, I now know, looking back, um, that uh, the decision that the club made was the right decision. I think I I probably wanted to play all, for, for all the wrong reasons. I know that uh, Shane Warne was coming back for another season. It would have been absolutely magnificent to have played with uh, with Warney for another season. But you know, when uh, when you do look back in the uh, the fullness of time you know, the, uh, that certainly um, the, uh, the club made that right decision, a tough decision for the club. I'm absolutely sure of that having been, a, you know, uh, been there for 24 years or 25 years, couldn't have been easy for the club, but ultimately it was the right. But you know, to have endured all those years playing um, for one county was just uh, absolutely fantastic. <laughs>
2: you have an airbnb your home might be worth more than you think find out how
3: much at airbnb.com slash host
2: the following on podcast is proudly sponsored by barbados tourism if your passion for travel is on par with your passion for cricket then i have some excellent news
0: cracking boundary, give Robin Smith room,
3: we're in danger of getting cluttered through the offside all day long. Well, that's a very fine 50 by Robin Smith as he waves to his colleagues in the dressing room, some glorious shots as his innings has gone on. Judge, you grew up in in South Africa. Very sporty, athletics, rugby, cricket. From a, a family connection, why why cricket?
0: I think my dad, had a, my dad had a very big uh, in, influence in uh, in whether it should be cricket. I mean, even playing uh, playing golf and ath- a- athletics. Um, but uh, I- his opinion was that I should always play a team sport. Mm. He felt that uh, being involved in a team sport um, was always going to be better um, for you as a person to, than being involved in an in individual game. Um, but I think with uh, having a brother five years older than me, um, uh, Chris had also played for Hampshire for many years and and uh, played for England. He had joined Hampshire the year before and uh, came back and and said, "What a you know fantastic club it was! What a, a great opportunity you know it is to play cricket all year round." And and that's really why I decided that um, you know that I wanted to take up cricket because uh, not for one moment did I ever think that I'd be playing Test match cricket. But it just uh, it just by playing during the uh, the South African winters by by playing in England it just gave me this wonderful opportunity to uh, to be able to play the sport I loved all year round and to be played you know all year round to play to play cricket I thought it was fantastic and after the first two or three years at Hampshire um, I was then you know able to acquire well I acquired a British passport through mom and dad living in uh, or having been born in England. Um, and uh, only after four or five years there was talk about me playing for england and uh, i guess that was the only really time that i thought that you know i might play international sport but up until then really it was just enjoying the opportunity and the chance of playing cricket for 12 months of the year
3: and the international came um six years after being sledged by lammy in a domestic game in south africa he's given you a bit of stick he,
0: he, he was you yeah when
3: you, you made your debut against the west indies in yeah. july 88 england 80 for four and out walks robin smith
0: but harmy if you've if you've um can remember back to uh when you're probably bowling at your very quick quickest mm. um Lammy wasn't the only one that sledged me. Mate. Uh, sure, you can remember the times that you sledged me when the ball went past my end at uh, ninety-five miles an hour. Yeah, but, but the thing uh,
3: with me, Judgy, is nobody understood a word I said thirty miles south of Darlington. So it was just it was no, like
0: being in Asia mate, mate, I didn't have to understand the word. I just I just <laughs> saw the ball coming down at ninety-five miles an hour with no uh, no grill on. Wasn't uh, I wasn't did remember close. that. Yeah. Um, no. Well, again, I was very 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 blessed with playing uh, in South Africa. Um, it was a, a very very tough domestic competition Uh, we were isolated from uh, international sport and uh, um, so the cricket that we played was the highest level of cricket that uh, that the guys could play and uh, um, you know it was was very very competitive Um, I was exposed from a very early age to some serious sledging and and uh, and you know one of the biggest sledges came from you know from Alan Lamb and um, I was absolutely mortified because I remember going and watching as my hero I used to go down and watch when I was twelve and thirteen and fourteen, you know watching him through my binoculars every single move he made, and you know the way that he um he was you know so attacking against batsmen and um at lunchtimes he used to jump the pickets and run up to him and ask Mr. Lamb for his <laughs> autograph, and I just absolutely idolized this bloke, and all of a sudden uh, Found myself walking out to bed in Cape Town when Lamy was fielding at uh, bat pad offside, and he gave me a serious mouthful. <laughs> um, and uh, this was my hero. And anyway, uh, after the game, uh, Mike Proctor, who was my uh, my captain, saw me when I walked off visibly upset, and uh, he took me through to um, Lamy's dressing room, sat me down next to Lamy, and uh, explained to me what uh, sledging, or as Steve Ward calls it, uh, mental disintegration, what it was all about. So um, from that moment on. Um, um, it, it never really upset me because i knew exactly what they're trying to do i mean they, you know sledging is all about uh unsettling the batsman if and if you know what they're trying to do then you know then w- you know why worry about it i mean you know i see these days you know guys getting really upset by personal sledging as far as i'm concerned just let it go in one year and out the other i yeah. mean it's just ridiculous to try and retaliate um and certainly not off the field and why get why get upset about sledging unless it's very, very personal about mother yeah. or something along those lines, but surely, uh Young guys and uh, you know in the, in the playground at uh, school when you're seven eight you get worse sledging than, uh, than these blokes. Uh. I, I'm but, sure
3: they do. Yeah. You, you don't want to meet. You say you don't want to meet your heroes. Mine was Darren Goff and he, we were in the Caribbean and the, you, you mentioned the first time you meet your hero and I remember walking out to bat against Yorkshire and I played this forward defensive off Goffey and he got down on one knee with a with a as he was going to take a picture <laughs> and he just started laughing and I was like quizzedly looking at it again and he just a typical Goffy just says. I'm yeah. Yeah. But yeah, that's what your mum and dad are doing now. taking like a picture of you playing against me, and that's just and like you say, it's disintegrate, Whatever, yeah. you know, disintegration. Yeah. Whatever, yeah. but it's banter and it's as long as it doesn't go personal. Yeah, but, yeah. You, know, you mentioned talking about Lamy. You became not only with close friends, great teammates, but that era you played in, Lamy, Beefy, you know, some some unbelievable characters.
0: Look, I uh, I thoroughly enjoyed uh, you know the um, the generation that I played with uh, you know both them Gao and Gooch and Gatting and you know and Lamb, um it, you know very very honoured to have played with these uh, wonderful players and and you know I just I just thoroughly enjoyed it as you said they're great characters they've um, um you know they had that uh, that wonderful uh, um, uh, arrogance about them mm. which I which I seem to feed off. Um, and you know, I just, I just wish in life that uh, um, you know, I write a lot in the book about fr- uh, fractured identity, with uh, there being, you know, Robin Smith, you know, the soft, gentle, kind um, Robin Smith, and then the judge on the yeah. field, um, who you know, who's trying hard to be this person that he that he really isn't, trying to get that arrogance. You know, I, I, um, I had a, you know, I believe too much of a. Of an imbalance there between uh, too much humility, and I just wish that I could have had a little bit more natural arrogance, um, so that I could have believed a lot more in my ability. Um, uh, and you know, I just had to try and uh, live and feed off the um, the you know the confidence of of the senior players in 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 that older that older generation that I played in and. and and then, unfortunately, when you know, when you know the the older school retired and, and, and a new culture came into the game, um, you know, uh, uh, new new coaches. Um, And, you know, I was there to try and lead from the front. I've always been a great follower and found it very difficult to lead. And when I didn't have that, uh, that, that confidence and arrogance um, of, uh, and I wouldn't say they arrogant, you know, uh, people, but they believed in themselves, they knew they were good enough to go out there and cope. And I actually bled off that. And when they weren't there um, to give me that, that confidence, I found it very, very difficult. And it's probably no coincidence that my um form had dropped dropped off. I thought um as a manager Mickey Stewart um was absolutely magnificent um so yeah I, mean, I you know I missed all that but uh but you know having said that home you know what it's like playing uh, you know playing a sport that you absolutely love going out with the three lines on your uh, you know on your you know shirt and uh, it was just you know just absolutely magnificent just the, love love loved it every the, minute
3: the the two personas is an interesting one you know I, I talk about from my point of view, the anxiety and the health issues I had, going on the field was just the ultimate for me. I was a gibbering mess before tea time, lunchtime, and after. But being on the field was just so. And that was me at my best as a person. I felt that way. And you mentioned the two personas. You know, my best mate Andrew Flintoff. You know, we all loved him to bits. Yeah. He, Freddie had the same. Freddie had the same. It was Andrew where he was where he was with his family um with his friends where my family always call him andrew my kids always call him andrew yeah there was freddie this yeah. big, big strong larger than life yeah. character yeah. you had yeah. beefy but yeah. did, did that two personas go off the field as well as on the field because you mentioned in the book that you know there's some of the the stuff the drinking and obviously the the, the marriage breakup and everything that goes with that was the two personas there, by the end was the two robin smiths off the field as well
0: um no i think there was just um you know they just the, the one robin smith off the field i mean you know there's uh, there's a lot of Personal stuff that I did uh, write in the book, and, and one of the reasons why I wanted to uh, to be brutally honest, because I, th- there's always reasons um, w- why why people in life do things. I mean, you know, that you can't just keep making excuses all the time. There are there are reasons why people do things in life, and. Uh, you know and and I, I thought long and hard about the mistakes I made in my life and uh, and try to work out um, reach deep into my soul and work out why I made these mistakes and 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 what went wrong you know and uh, as i said you know i've i've tried to be brutally honest um and uh, and i and i hope it's come come out that way in, in 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 the book but um but yeah you you're right with um you know with these with you know and and, and this constant battle with uh, these two persona, personas and and maybe one of the reasons why i um used to enjoy having a drink um, you know, hey, I quite enjoyed a beer, but it, it definitely made me um, relax a, a lot more. You mm. know, uh, you know, people always said I was laughing, sort of the party. And if I if I never had a drink, I mean, I'd be shy as a mouse. I wouldn't say anything. Um, and it's always quite hard in life to li- live up to this persona that really that you you really aren't, and not that I it was it was insincere. Um, you know I just know that I to to be at my best socially I just needed to have a little bit of Dutch courage I mean you know I just couldn't have been that person that everybody loved in the bar afterwards had I not been able to have two or three drinks just to uh, just to loosen the tongue and it's it's quite it's, it's difficult to to live up to uh, people seeing you walking out you know bat you know your shoulders you know nice and high head held high and and you know and that's you know just not like i was off the field i mean it's just very very difficult to explain and and uh and you know over over a th- three-year period um having tried to reach very very deep um I, I i think i've been able to put it down um with the help of my partner um karen we've i think we've uh and and rob smith has been an absolutely magnificent author he um you know right from the start he um, seemed to understand me he seemed to know me better than i knew myself when i first spoke to him uh and uh you know, he had great empathy and uh he's just a most magnificent man and, and and a friend for life um i don't think there could be too many better people than uh, than rob Smythe, and uh it was just really lovely to work with him And I, and i think we you know i think we got the book um, as, good as, I, as, I, as good as I could hope. And
2: that takes Robin Smith to his high score for England, beating his 1-4-3 against Australia at Old Trafford two years ago. There's Smith again. It's a shot he waits for. It's as much a square drive as a square cut. Oh, that's Smith at his best. The footwork there was absolutely copybook. The timing was wonderful.
3: say in the book and uh, from the the very first question about your being sort of therapeutic and you learn about about yourself is that is that the case because it it says in your book you know drinking heavily uh, marriage breakup after sort of 22 years there came a point where you felt you failed and the phrase in the book days failing your family and that is that is quite frightening did you realize you were doing that or did you work that out when yeah you know, at the time, but when the when you were you were sort of writing the book, was there alarm sort of lights going on in the head thinking, Well, yeah, that was right, and that's right. And you probably didn't realize until you had wrote it or talked about it that you, you that was the case.
0: No, i I, I think I, I knew that uh, I was uh, um, you know during during my my very heavy drinking days, um certainly when I played cricket. Um, you know drinking for me was just very social I used to drink um, lager and, and nothing more mm. um, when I finished playing um, you know drinking that lager because I wasn't exercising during the day wasn't a professional sportsman anymore I started to put in a little, little bit of weight and then so I moved on to you know vod- vodka, lime and soda and uh, the next you know the next uh, few months was uh, was a double vodka and then a triple vodka and um, anyway cut, cut a very long story short when uh, um, you know when things weren't were going weren't going particularly well for me um you know I'd uh, I'd comfortably be drinking a bottle and a half of vodka a day for for four years um it it's the only way that I could have coped with um you know with um this terrible guilt that I felt uh in in having made all these mistakes and and uh, the lack of uh, the the loss of respect that I had from my children um and it was the only way that I could cope um you know i uh you know one thing that saved me was that i still um worked you know worked uh 12 hours a day i cycled 70 kilometers a day um still was drinking all that that alcohol and uh you know i was just a functioning alcoholic um and uh um fortunately through a lot of a lot of hard work um uh i don't think my my family you know Ever stopped loving me, um, but they certainly lost a huge amount of respect. And for those people out there, um, who feel as if at times have lost respect from from their peers or their parents or their children, you know, it's got to be the worst feeling in the world, you And know? you had
3: and you had you had thoughts of, of, of ending it, and that's a, a, it's, yeah, it's even frightening just saying it for me.
0: Well, it, it, it is, and 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 very real thoughts, um. <sighs> you know i uh I, I stayed in a in a in a small apartment uh, um on scarborough beach uh just uh, just outside perth and um in barry richards's uh, apartment and you know it was only a probably a hundred and fifty yard walk to the beach and there was this lovely um tall harrah um hotel the the rendezvous hotel and very often I'd sit there with you know half a bottle of vodka looking up and uh, and I knew exactly. When I, you know, I knew exactly how I was gonna end my life. I didn't know exactly when, but I knew how I was gonna do it. I mean, I don't think I would've had the courage to have gone out and bought a gun. Then I don't even think I know where to buy a gun from, but I didn't think I'd had the uh, the courage to uh, put a gun to my head, but I certainly knew that um, uh, that the time was gonna be very soon where I'd book a you know, book a, uh, a room at the top floor of the uh, the rendezvous hotel, have a couple of bottles of vodka, you know, fool oh. myself up with medication and uh, have a cigarette and jump over the top, and That's that was—that was, hot that hot that was it, yeah, it—it it, it certainly is. And and even talking about it now, you know, I find it very, very difficult to talk about it. I get very emotional. I'm a very emotional bloke, um, and it's not uh, a particularly nice thing to uh, to 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 talk about. But you know, I, I had another experience at, at that rendezvous hotel, which brought everything back into perspective when things were working out well for me and uh, I'd been approached to write the book and um, suggested to my partner that um, we should maybe go down for a couple of days and stay at the hotel um, and um, and start, you know, penning some nice thoughts together about the book and, you know, and uh, so we booked into uh, the hotel and I was on the bottom floor and uh, got onto, uh, we went for a lovely morning walk along the beach and came back and, and Karen, my partner, uh, jumped in the shower and I got myself a... Uh, um a coffee and and uh, sat in the balcony within within 30 seconds um a yard away um this woman landed um oh. a, a yard away from me and she'd sort of wedged herself in a, in a little a, um, storm drain um and I ran and I shouted to Karen and said Karen someone's just trying to take their life and I jumped over um you know onto the roof from from where my balcony was and uh um she was still alive she was still breathing um and uh you know, she her nails were done beautifully. Her hair was done. She, you know, she had done her makeup, and uh, I squee- held her hand. And by this time, then Karen had joined me and held her other hand, and we were talking to her and said that, you know, she wasn't alone. And and um, and eventually, just saw this blood stream from her mouth, and she and she moved on with uh, with Karen and I there, and uh, and it just took me back to, you know, the thoughts of that was that was going to be me two years earlier wow you know, wow
3: man, just, that's that's heartbreaking mm. and and now you are in a, a better place you mentioned karen new yeah. relationship things are going things are going well for you i yeah and and you're a working as a as a bit of a batting coach as well
0: um yeah look i've uh, things have uh, have turned turned uh, turned around really well for me i mean you know i uh, as i said earlier on always had a very supportive and uh, and loving family um, you know, Kathy and, and I've uh, um, you know have divorced, but um, you know if I needed that that support and care, she she was always there for for me. Unfortunately, the marriage didn't work out. Um, and um, Harrison and Margot, you know, are two uh, you know beautiful children. Um, you know, I spend a, a lot of time with them. Although Harrison has now moved to uh, Sydney for a couple of years, but my beautiful daughter, you know, we've um, you know I, I hope that through a lot of hard work. Um, that i've learned uh, that i've won their respect back um i love the job that i do um you know i really enjoy working for my brother for you know long long hours each week but you know but I've, i but i do enjoy what I, what what i you know what i do and uh, and i've just absolutely loved you know loved coaching i've won that that love back of the game mm. um I, I get inspired by coaching these young guys between you miss it, you? 12 and and, uh, and 16 Um, And uh, I I, I just love it. I'm I'm very very blessed that uh, that I've given been given the second opportunity in life To um, you know um, with lots of love lots of hard work to really turn things around
3: judge thank you very much I wish you all the very best on the book I'm sure it will be absolutely brilliant and it will sell millions of copies because oh. you deserve yeah. everything you're a hero of mine and it's a pleasure of me sitting here and talking to you um, I do wish you all the very best and I hope you enjoy a good summer going around and uh, promoting this and it's it's a must read for everybody thank you very much Robin Smith
2: brilliant stuff hope you enjoyed listening back to that Steve Harmison in conversation with Robin Smith that went out on the kickoff programme on Talk Sport Uh, that's pretty much all we've got time for for today's following on podcast we will be back on Tuesday of course and to never miss an episode be sure to subscribe either on Apple Podcasts or your favourite podcast app see you for the next show Andrew McKenna and Steve Harmison looking back at England's game with Afghanistan